On the prequel to the 31st episode, we're learning about Banned Books Week and previewing Where the Wild Things Are. Welcome back to the prequel, one of the prequel episodes, prequel to the 31st episode of this film is lit movie where we talk about movies that are based on books. We're in the midst of our Harry Potter run, but we're taking a break this week so that we have time to read Order of the Phoenix because it's a long one. Mm, a little bit. Uh, and we did a nice short one here and it coincides with Banned Books Week. So let's jump right in with that and learning, we're doing learning things with this film is lit, Banned Books Week. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Okay, so we talked a bit about banned books in the Perks of Being a Wallflower prequel. Mm-hmm. It's also a frequently challenged book, so that was relevant. Uh, but since this next main episode falls during Banned Books Week, I really wanted to come back to that topic and talk about it a little more. Yeah. So Banned Books Week 2018 is September 23rd to the 29th, so that'll be next week. Yep, which is when the episode will come out. Yes. So first thing I kind of want to do is clarify my terms um, and talk about what I mean when I say banned or challenged books. So when a book is challenged, that means that an individual or more likely a group has attempted to get that book removed from a school or a library um, or has attempted to restrict access to that book in some way. And when a book is banned, that means that whoever challenged it succeeded and that book has been removed from shelves. So Banned Books Week is an awareness campaign but it's also a celebration of the librarians and the teachers and everyone else who kind of fights the good fight against yeah. censorship. Books are continually challenged, but because of those efforts, the majority of them remain available. Yeah. Uh, Banned Books Week was launched in the 1980s, hmm. which was a pretty conservative time period yeah. in America's history. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it was also a time that saw increased challenges to material that was perceived as being inappropriate in some way. Uh, 1982 also saw the court case Island Trees School District versus Pico, in which a Supreme Court ruling noted that the First Amendment limits the power of school boards to remove books from school libraries based just on their content. And that same year... Banned books were showcased at the American Booksellers Association trade show in Anaheim. They had like a setup at the begin at the entrance to the convention center with these giant padlocked metal cages, and then they filled them up with different books that had been wow. challenged, um, and a, a big sign that cautioned people that those books were dangerous. <laughs> Um, and something that you see a lot now, kind of like in libraries set up mm-hmm. that kind of display. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of the first time people had really started talking about it. So that demonstration really sparked a conversation and the official Banned Books Week kind of grew from there. So those who challenge and try to ban books are often parent groups, um, religious groups, mm-hmm. other morality Type groups. They usually have the name family in the yeah, in somewhere a code in their word. name. <laughs> family. 
So there are a lot of different reasons that these groups might cite as for why a book should be removed from shelves. But if you kind of take a look at those reasons, they usually fall fall under three kind of broad categories. Okay. So I'm going to go through those categories. Cool. Uh, so a first category is if the book contains information that the group doesn't want freely available. So for example, books about sex education are frequently challenged. Uh, one of the top 10 most challenged books in 2017. Oh, so recently. Very recently was Sex is a Funny Word by Corey Silverberg. Um, with some groups stating that they believed it would lead children to ask questions about sex. Oh, we cannot have that. Can't have that. that. Oh, man. Can't have people cannot. knowing things. Mm -mm. And asking questions? Get out of town. Um, our second category is if the book expresses ideas that the group considers dangerous or unacceptable. Another book from 2017's top 10 list was The Kite Runner by huh. uh, Khalid Hosseini, I think is how his name is pronounced. Maybe not. I don't know. Some people wanted it banned because they felt it promoted Islam. Oh, okay. So it's also terrible. Can't yeah, have can't that. Have that. Uh, a lot of challenges cite books as being anti-Christian, anti-American, anti-family, um, which is a code word for doesn't conform to the nuclear family setup. Yeah. Um, a lot of times groups will try to get books banned because they say that they encourage rebelliousness. Mm -hmm. A code word for free thought. Free thought, yep. <laughs> and then our third category... Um, is an interesting one. Our third category is when the book is by and or about people of color, people whose sexualities or gender identities don't match the heterosexual cisgender norm. Mm -hmm. This one can be a little trickier to spot because groups often won't say, for example, well, I don't like the color purple because it was written by a black woman and it's about black women. Instead, they'll say, oh, it has offensive language. Right. Right. Um, side note to that, though, that is not usually the case for LGBT books. No, they will just um, say that Yeah. That's... Usually the groups then have no problem just saying, yeah, we want it banned because it has gay people in it. Right. But I digress. If you kind of look at which books are frequently challenged, which books are frequently banned, the majority of them are by or about people who are minorities, yeah. right? People whose stories disrupt the status quo. Mm -hmm. They disrupt the dominant narrative about who people of color are, who gay people are, who transgender people are. Mm -hmm. They're stories that tell the truth. Yeah. Not everyone can handle that. Mm -mm. It's famously stated by Jack Nicholson. <laughs> So I have some homework for you guys. This is the first time we've had homework in a it's while. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. Their homework before us has been watching a million Harry Potter movies. So. <laughs> it does feel kind of weird not to be talking about it Harry is, Potter. Yeah. yeah. So your homework, I want to challenge you guys to read a banned book. There you go. Um, and even maybe especially if you aren't typically a reader. Yeah. A banned book contains something that somebody doesn't want you to know. So I would encourage you to find your inner rebel and tell those people to fuck off. There you go. Um, read a banned book. <laughs> um, I'm going to post on our social media accounts a list of some of my personal favorite frequently challenged books. So if you aren't sure where to start, maybe you can draw some inspiration from that. Mm -hmm. And I would also really love to hear from you guys about what banned books are your favorites 
And if we have any listeners outside of America, if you guys have events that are similar to Banned Books Week, I'd love to hear about that as well. Yeah. And I think that could be interesting, too, because there's um, if we have listeners in in certain areas where the government isn't quite as uh, I'm trying to find the right word for it. I mean, generally speaking, it's pretty tough to get books banned in America. Yeah. In general. Uh, Yeah. Obviously, in certain small areas. Right. School libraries, some books, that sort of thing. But in general, if you're in America, it's not too hard. And now with the Internet, I assume this probably stretches to most most places. Obviously, certain places like China and stuff have controlled Internet would Mm -hmm. make it slightly more difficult. But um, but that being said, I think it it would be interesting to hear the perspective of somebody who lives under, say, a, a really conservative government of some sort that does tend to censor a lot more. Yeah. Uh, media yeah. than than we experience in America, and also if you want a real if you want an easy A for your or an easy completion <laughs> for your homework, uh, where the wild things are, it's about as short and as simple of a <laughs> banned book read that there is. That's so, true. Ten sentences, I believe, is what it is. So it's about a forty-five second read unless yeah. you're really looking at the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of where the wild thing things are, are we going to get into well, no. why it was banned in your? Yes. Okay. Cool. Because I wanted to make sure we. Okay. Cool. Then let's move on to facts about where the wild things are. The book. I didn't want to wake you up, but I really want to show you something. So, where the wild things are, written and illustrated by Maurice Sendak, published in 1963. Uh It won the Caldecott Medal. In 1964, Uh, the Caldecott, for anyone who doesn't know, is an award that celebrates the most distinguished American picture book for children. It's kind of like the Pulitzer for picture books. It's it's a big deal. Yeah, and you see it when you, I remember being in the library as a kid and seeing them on the Mm -hmm. covers of, you know. Uh, Where the Wild Things Are has also been voted the number one picture book by school library journal readers as recently as 2012. So it's had a lot of staying power. A lot of people like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the most popular, I would imagine, of all time children's picture books. So when Sendak began working on the book, the concept was more or less the same, except that Max, the little kid, was originally supposed to go to the land of wild horses. Hmm. However... Before he could get very far on that concept, Sendak realized that he didn't really know how to draw horses. <laughs> well, there you go. Just draw weird bear man things. <laughs> so he reconceptualized, uh, changed it to the much more ambiguous wild things. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of wild things, that specific term was inspired by a Yiddish expression that I'm probably about to butcher. <laughs> a vildachea. I couldn't find, like, a satisfactory pronunciation online, so I'm guessing. Uh, Literally translated, it means wild beasts, and it's often used to refer to boisterous children. So it's kind of a perfect expression for this. Yeah. What uh, what was the language? Yiddish. Yiddish. It's probably not Shea. It's probably Vildekaya. Vildekaya? Chaya. Would be my guess if it's Yiddish. I'm uh, um, something like that would be my guess. So Yiddish. if we have any listeners who 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 know, know Yiddish, please correct us on Vildechaya. this count. Yeah, <laughs> would be my yeah, because I think ch is only like. 
That's fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. The drawings of the wild things themselves, this is one of my favorite things that I found out while I was doing research for this. The drawings started out as caricatures of Sendak's aunts and uncles uh, based on the way that he saw them as a small child. He later described them as all crazy, crazy faces and wild eyes with blood-stained eyes and big and yellow teeth. There you go. Yeah. Um, aside from the film version that we're going to watch, Where the Wild Things Are has also been adapted as a children's opera, which I thought was really? interesting. I didn't know that there That's was specifically I didn't... children's opera. That, I guess that makes sense because uh, I could see taking kids on a on a field trip to the yeah. symphony, you know, and seeing a, an opera made for kids about, mm-hmm. you know, like creatures. and stuff. Yeah, that could be interesting. I didn't know that was a thing, though. I bet productions of it are pretty cool. Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah. So part of the reason that I picked this particular book for our Harry Potter break is because it's a picture book, therefore mm-hmm. very short. Very short. Uh, but I also picked it because this is our Banned Books Week series, and well, the, Where the Wild Things Are has been challenged. Now, it hasn't been challenged as frequently as another of Sendak's picture books in The Night Kitchen, but it still has been challenged. So Maurice Sendak was a gay Jewish man. So as we discussed earlier, he kind of automatically has a voice that some people don't think should be heard. Yep. So there's that. Uh, Wild Things has also been challenged for featuring witchcraft and supernatural elements. It's got monsters in it. There are monsters in it. There are. I'm sure I've I've read this at some point in my childhood, but I don't remember anything of it other than like the cover and, you know, what the creatures look like. But that's that's all. So. Uh, but a lot of challenges have also labeled the book unsuited to age group. So this is a phrase that book banners toss around a lot. It's nice and vague. Yeah. And it has this condescending, this is for your own good right. attached to it, which is typically the case. Yeah. Um, but here are kind of my thoughts on that. This is a book that acknowledges darkness. Mm-hmm. It acknowledges that children have feelings that aren't nice and aren't sweet. They feel anger, and they feel frustration, and they feel fear. And this book does scare scare people. It just turns out that most of those people are grown-ups. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also have something along those lines uh, about uh, not suitable for Ooh. this age group and as it pertains to the movie, so let's get on to the fun facts about where the wild things are, the film. It's a 2009 film directed by Spike Jones, which is a, an interesting choice because uh, Spike Jones is most known for, and I, the only movie of his I've seen in its entirety, he hasn't directed a ton. I think it's like five or six at this point. Mm-hmm. But the one I know I've seen all the way through, but it's been years, is uh, Being John Malkovich, which is a very strange film. I've never seen that. Uh, but he's also he also directed Adaptation, which is the Nicolas Cage film about a screenwriter adapting a... Huh. book of or a, a book of some sort we need to we need to watch that it sounds point. very meta yeah it, it, yeah <laughs> all of this stuff is because being john malkovich is a movie I, it's been so long since i've seen it but it has the actor john malkovich in it mm-hmm. playing himself 
and it's like inside you're there's like this weird thing where like go in his head and oh. all of spike jones stuff is very strange okay very kind of out there uh but also he wrote and directed and was involved in the production of all of the jackass movies so <laughs> that's it does make him a kind of an odd choice yeah, doesn't it <laughs> it's and then and then he, most recently i think most recently he did the film her with uh joaquin phoenix mm-hmm. where he like falls in love with a computer or a computer oh yeah i kind of remember when that i don't yeah. I, I haven't seen that one either but i've heard it's very good um so he directed it uh again a, a kind of an interesting choice but We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and it was written, co-written by Spike Jones and Dave Eggers, who probably most known for writing the film Away We Go, mm-hmm. which was a John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph, I think it was Maya Rudolph, um, film in, from like 2008 or so mm-hmm. uh, about they're like young, they're like a young couple that finds out they're going to have a kid. And it's, kind, ah. it's kind of like a an indie drama comedy thing, mm-hmm. like, like an indie art film about mm-hmm. like dealing with life basically uh i remember, i saw it probably a year or two after it came out and remember thinking it was pretty good so uh adaptation of this film was kind of kicked around as early as the 80s by disney mm-hmm. and they were going to adapt it as a and blend like traditional animated characters with like computer cg environments so it would be like a mixture of kind of animation styles but it would still be all animated basically just interesting as uh traditional animation versus computer animation uh, didn't end up going anywhere. Didn't go past the test filming to see how this would work. So it just kind of died out and petered mm-hmm. out. And then as, after years of interest from various producers, uh, Maurice Sindak decided he favored Spike Jones to direct it. He would, So he put his seal of approval on Spike Jones and said he was young, interesting, and has a spark that none of the others had. Uh, which he is... I guess he was young at the time. He is interesting, and he has a, a very strange spark. So I will, I will give him that. <laughs> Uh, in 2005, Spike Jones and Dave Eggers completed a 111-page screenplay, which obviously expanded from the original 10-sentence story. <laughs> so they had to extrapolate quite a bit. It would be a pretty short movie if they yeah. didn't add to it. Yeah. Uh, the makeup for the film uh, was done by uh, Howard Berger, who's kind of he's an well, Academy Award-winning makeup producer, but he's mm. our makeup effects artist. But he's all. Uh, He's most, I say most, he's not most known for this. This is what it said on Wikipedia. And then I clicked on him and looked, I'm like, oh yeah, no, this guy's, he said he was most known for Chronicles of Narnia. Mm -hmm. Like this man has worked on everything ever. Like he has like 180 credits and he, he's worked on everything. Like it, it, he's, he's an icon of the industry. He was, he'd been on face off a a Mm -hmm. handful of times as like a guest judge or whatever and stuff. Uh, but he turned down the offer. They wanted him. Uh, he turned it down four times. And apparently the book inspired him to go into special effects as a child, but he felt filming it was a horrible idea and he didn't uh-huh. want to be involved in the process of making the film. So like on principle, yeah. he refused to Yeah, he was like, you shouldn't make this into a movie. <laughs> so ultimately Jim Henson's Creature Shop uh, mm-hmm. provided the animatronic suits for the movie. Hmm. So. So, as you mentioned uh, with the the Not Suitable for Age, the uh, Warner Brothers, the production company, had a lot of, in the early stages of the post-production when they started seeing cuts of it, had a lot of fears about the film. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, this this isn't a family film, it's not family friendly, it's going to scare kids. And Spike Jones and Marie Sendak were both like, no. Kids are so much <laughs> hardier than people think. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, yeah, nope, it's fine. <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> 
Uh, and then finally, uh, Marie Sendak, uh, who died a couple years after the film came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. 2012. Yeah, he think he did die in 2012. But he said, after seeing a completed cut of the film, I've never seen a movie that looked or felt like this, and it's Spike Jones' personal this. And he's not afraid of himself. He's a real artist that lets it come through in the work. So he's touched me. He's touched me very much. So apparently he approved of the oh. film and was very happy with so author stamp of approval that's kind of a yeah. cool thing it's not a th- something that we always have no on this show no and it it's one thing i think it's interesting with this as long as when you're doing uh, adapting such a short story mm-hmm. as long as you sort of capture the main point yeah you can kind of do the, a lot the of essence of yeah it. the essence of the of what especially with a storybook like this there's a there's a main essence mm-hmm. of what you're trying to get if you capture that you can do a lot of other stuff. I feel like yeah, that because the you know obviously the author's gonna understand that their ten page ten sentence right. story isn't gonna <laughs> make a movie, so they're gonna add a bunch of stuff as long as they capture and really get across the message you were trying to get across with your ten page story and do it over the course of a film and kind of stay true to your vision. I feel like there's probably more leeway with potentially with kids books. Anyways, that's all I had for movie facts. Uh, not a ton. Um, I'm interested to watch this movie because I remember seeing the trailer and thinking it looked really interesting. I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen it either, and I'm excited because it, it does look interesting. It's really unique, and I'm even more interested now. This will actually be the first Spike Jones film I've seen that I'll like remember because I've seen Being John Malkovich, <laughs> but I think I was like 15 or something, and I just don't remember anything about it. Also, it'll be the first time we've done a, a story this short. Yeah. I mean, we did like uh, the we Amazing did... Journey, and which is not no, remotely this short. The either. last we did Shrek. Which oh, is yeah. a picture book, but this is even shorter than that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's the next episode, Where the Wild Things Are, coming next week. And then after that, we're back into Harry Potter with Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Until next time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else, keep reading books, keep watching movies, and keep being awesome. Keep reading banned books. <laughs>